Hi, I'm Jason Schwimmer, and this is a podcast about my journey to meet seven male strangers who all have one thing in common with me. We all played the voice of D.W., the little sister character on the popular kids' show, Arthur. That's me, in an episode called What's Cooking, an episode where celebrity chef Ming Tsai comes to Lakewood Elementary School to judge a cooking contest for the kids. The episode aired in May 2006. Last week, I spoke with Mark Brown, the illustrator, author, and creator of the Arthur books and television series. I'm pretty sure you're not allowed to make a podcast about Arthur without at least trying to interview him for it. And I'm so glad he agreed to talk to me. He's just one of those people where it's crazy to think about how much his creativity and point of view has changed the world. He taught generations of people that believing in themselves is the place to start. I've already found and interviewed the other male voice actors who played DW and, as I mentioned, Mark Brown. So why is my microphone still on? In the last episode, I confirmed that Mark Brown created DW based on a combination of his three younger sisters, and I decided that the only way to really conclude this story is to find at least one of the people that DW is based on. But first... The similarities that I have as, as Danny to Buster, like he's a huge sci-fi fan, I'm a huge sci-fi fan. He's from a single-parent family. I, I, I grew up with a single mom. He has asthma. I have asthma. I, I, I don't know where, like, the lines are so blurred right now. I, I don't know what came first. That's Danny Brochu, who plays Buster Baxter on Arthur. Here's a clip. Buster! Buster, do you read me? Roger, Arthur. But this walkie-talkie is giving me trouble. He studied acting for theater, and when he graduated, he quickly started voice acting. I started getting a lot of work because I was one of the adults that can do kids' voices. And so I was, I was like a hot commodity when I was like 22 or 23 years old. And so I got the main, I remember landing the main role of this anime. It was like 26 half hour episodes of this Huckleberry Finn anime. He got a ton of work in voice acting, as well as some on-screen acting in shows like Are You Afraid of the Dark? So do you remember what it was like auditioning for Arthur? My God, it was such, it was such a funny, it's, it's, it's a great story, actually. <laughs> I, I used to live uh, by myself in an area of Montreal called the Plateau. And I remember one morning, I left my apartment, literally, Jason, in my pajamas to walk to the corner depeneur where you would receive packages. And I started walking down the street and I ran into this man, Andy Grin, one of the casting directors for Sinar at that point. And he was like, I have this project and uh, it's just starting and they're, 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 they're doing all these castings in Montreal. Do you do a young person's voice? And he kind of knew that I did. And I was like, yeah, you know, I, I, I do young boys voices. And he was like, okay, so 
come to my house and I'll record you. And he had like one of those, like honestly, literally one of those, like those old tape decks where you press record and play on with a frigging cassette. And he recorded me and I recorded the script and there was no callback, no nothing. I got the role. And I was like, great. And it turned out to be Arthur. And I was just like 25 years later, still doing, I, it's like, it, it, it blows my mind. And, and must've been different for you too, because when I started, it was at the very beginning. So we had no idea what it was, but when you got on board, it was already a well-established entity. Yeah. Like I grew up reading the books and loving the show. Yeah. And so having that extra kind of added pressure of working on something that you knew was already popular is different than, you know, yeah. I mean, maybe like I, I definitely, I don't think I made those connections. You know, I think it's sort of the, the brashness or the confidence that comes from being a kid. I was just like, I cannot believe that I'm DW. Like, this is wild, but I'm going to do my best. <laughs> yeah. I mean, did, did, did you feel any sort of pressure or shift as the show got more popular? Never. I always benefited from it, from it being popular, you know, like people recognizing it. Even now, you know, I, I wear an Arthur sweatshirt in public and people identify this sweat and they're like, Oh, did you work on that show? And I'm like, yeah, I've, I've been doing the voice of Buster Baxter. And you know, it's, it's amazing because it's, it's the parents who grew up at the show right. and now it's been on the air for so long, their kids are now watching it. So it's like a whole new generation of kids being introduced to it, you know, and Arthur memes are out now. Like my kids, are, my, my own kids have grown up watching the show. I asked him if, despite being known for playing Buster, if he's ever had doubts about succeeding in his career as an actor. Of course, of course, all the time, I still do. I'm married to a woman who's also an actress. And so, you know, we go through, we go through phases of, of no work, you know, and we have a house and we have kids and, you know, we're, we're in our fifties now. And uh, yeah, we're still working contract to contract, still doing that. So there's always a fear of, you know, not having enough work but I don't know, you know, I, I've have a lucky, I have a lucky star on my shoulder, or whatever. Uh, you know, I've, I've only, and my wife as well, since the nineties, we've only, our sole work has come from in the business, working from the business, not anything else. Right. Did you have a backup plan? Yeah, there was, I mean, not just recently, like not even that long ago, I remember filling out an application for, uh, I, I was going to be a postman. I was like, that's a perfect job. You know, you get to walk around, you get to talk to people. I remember, I, yeah, I, I, this is right before COVID. There was a, a couple of months there where I was like, you know what, I have to find something else to do because the work is not coming in. And then I ended up getting acting work. And so I ended, <laughs> I ended up just going back to, you know, working on either a dubbing series or working on a film or whatever. I still think I'd be a great postman. <laughs> I can't imagine what it felt like being Buster for over 20 years. Did Danny ever feel restless? Did he ever consider leaving the show? In 1997, I decided that I was just going to take a year off and travel to Australia by myself. And the producers came up to me and said, so what do we do? And I was like, well, it doesn't matter. Like, you want to replace me? You can replace me. Like, I, at that point, I didn't care. For some reason, I was just like dead set on traveling. And I think it was like the fifth season or something. And I was like, you guys do what you have to do. I'm traveling to Australia for a year. And if you want to replace me, then that's fine. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Talk about brash 27 year old, you know, wanting to travel and giving up his anyway, it was, it was a crazy decision, but it ended up working in my favor because 
the producers were like, uh, we don't want to lose you. So we're going to write it into the show that you travel with your dad. And like I said, he was from a single parent family. And so they introduced the father character who's a pilot uh, and traveling around with this band. And uh, they were like, you know, we'll write you out of the show. And, uh, and they were so brilliant about it because what ended up happening was they came up with this whole storyline about how it, how it feels for someone to uh, lose their best friend. Yeah. Arthur had to deal with missing Buster and Buster, you know, recording these postcards from his travels and sending them back home. And so I remember recording a few episodes in Australia and, you know, the whole one of my favorite episodes of Arthur in general over the past 25 years is, you know, Arthur worrying about is Buster has Buster changed? He spent a year traveling when he comes home. Is he going to be different? Am I going to be different? Are we still going to be friends? And so this is this whole thing that only happened because I decided that I was going to travel for a year. And uh, when I got back, I started up the show again and realized that there was also another project in the works called Postcards from Buster, where they were going to do a whole spinoff where Buster is traveling with his father, with this band and sending postcards back to his friends. Since Danny was working on Arthur since the very beginning, did he have any sort of relationship with the books or with Mark Brown? Yeah, no, I, I didn't really have a relationship with him before the show. I hadn't read the books. I didn't grow up with the books or, or anything beforehand. But I did get to meet him, uh, I think, in the first season. He came to studio a couple of times. I remember he signed uh, he signed a Buster doll for oh, me. Oh, cool. And, uh, and then, you know... Uh, we would just kind of record the show and he went about his life. And the only other time that I really met him was with his son when we had um, a huge rap party, like a huge cast party a few years ago to kind of say goodbye to the, the series and had a really nice conversation with him and his son. And uh, yeah, I mean, such a gentle man. I don't, I don't know him that well, but obviously, you know, the godfather of, of gentle always a smile on his face and always very generous with his time and stuff. But he was, he, I think he was also blown away by the popularity of the, the cartoon, you know? Yeah. And speaking of Mark Brown, after I spoke with him, he introduced me to his sister, Bonnie Walmsley. <laughs> well, I was a kindergarten teacher. So when people found out Mark was my brother and the kids found out that he wrote and illustrated the books, I was had rock star status. Did you ever tell the kids that you, you know, your fun fact and your relationship to the stories? Oh, yes, yes, yeah, yeah, there was, I think it's a concept that's a little tricky for five-year-olds to understand that a character is based on you. Yeah. But, um, they, they knew that, and they, I told them that Grandma Thora was our real grandma and that was her name and, you know, so I would ex explain to them that the characters were based on people in Mark's real life. And can you can you do, did you do it in voices? Like, can you do the DW voice? Absolutely not. <laughs> That's your job, Jason. <laughs> well, let me hear yours. Oh, when I do it, it sounds like this. It's like, um, Arthur, why does this? Like, I can't do it. But that's what I used to do. 
Did Bonnie think Mark was going to succeed when he was trying to make it as an author and illustrator? Absolutely. Yes, he he was just so talented even as a child and always no matter what it was, he was expressing his creativity and he was just doing everything he could to get started. But it didn't really take him that long. He yeah. Relatively young when he started the Arthur books. He just has so much creativity. It's It really is incredible. He never stops. It just everything he does, whether it's gardening or restoring old homes or you know, collecting primitive antiques. I mean, he just, there's nothing around him that isn't visually, you know, aesthetically pleasing. He just, it's just his whole world and he, he can't help himself. We got to grow up with Arthur. What sort of stories and television, uh, children's content did you guys grow up with? Well, um, we grew up in the 50s, and television was really in its infancy, and we really didn't watch that much television. But, you know, children's literature was in its infancy in a sense, too. You know, it was really that in the 60s and 70s when children's literature became more prolific. And um, so we really didn't have lots of books in our homes, not the way my children did or my grandchildren do. But I do remember it was a huge deal to go to the public library. That was such fun. To, and it was a beautiful old building in downtown. And that was a big deal. And I, I did always enjoy that and taking the books home. But um, mostly, you know, there weren't a huge amount of children's books. Things like The Little Engine That Could and those old classics, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer was an old one. A lot of fairy tales, Elves and the Shoemaker, the Shoemaker and, you know, those were our vintage. I think it's so great that there's this connection between their childhood and how important reading and going to the library was for the characters on Arthur. Like with the library card song on Arthur. Or when DW gets her library card. Now I know what true power feels like. It feels special knowing that loving books and going to the library was so important to the Brown family. Did you watch the show a lot? I watched it with my children mm -hmm. when they were growing up because it was, you know, that's when it had started. I was teaching kindergarten at the time Mark started the television show. And... Um, it was a big deal. It was it was very exciting. How did you feel the first time you read DW in the books and when you saw DW on the television show? Well, you know, most of Mark's characters are based on people in his his life. <clears throat> and I guess I was flattered. You know, um, he portrays us as a, a bit annoying at times, but um, it's always flattering to have a character based on you and um i you know i think it was inevitable with three younger sisters there's just so much material there that he he couldn't help himself has has your idea about your relationship with the character changed over time or have you sort of always felt just very flattered well um i do realize it's fiction <laughs> and, <laughs> um i also 
know that Mark does love me, <laughs> uh, but I, it's something to think about as a child to treat your siblings well, because you never know what they will grow up to be, <laughs> what they can do if they're clever, like Mark. Yeah. One thing you don't know is that I'm also the um, inspiration for Francine. Really? Yes. Which Interesting. That I could tell you. Yeah. Um, so Francine has her own little special qualities. I always was very much a tomboy and very, you know, involved in athletics and sports. And um, Mark and I were good friends. And I think he and Francine are good friends, although she can be a little irritating at times. And um, so I was also all, all on my own, Francine. So while DW is based on Bonnie and her two sisters, Francine is just based on her. Do you yourself identify more with DW or Francine? Probably Francine. It really has been so interesting to find out how each character in the Arthur universe is based on Mark's relationships with people in his real life. What was it like seeing DW on screen? Did you have a favorite moment or, or was it like the kind of thing where you, you had to look away when DW was on the screen? <laughs> I, just, I just found it amusing. I, I think uh, I, The Picky Eater is one of my favorite books and episodes it just you know kind of encapsulates her little attitude i won't eat anything with eyes and you know she i, I don't know i i just and the, i do remember mark um coming to speak to the kids at my school and at my children's school and you know that was always a really important time he would in my classroom he would draw the characters and talk to them and answer questions and he's always been very gracious yeah and as far as signing books he will sit there for hours and sign books when he does a talk until you know everybody gets a picture with him and you know he's he's, he's really a very generous and giving human being besides being talented uh, talking about how you were uh, like, you know, your, your career as a kindergarten teacher. When I was in kindergarten and grade one, um, we used to have this assignment for school where um, our teachers would had like a class instead of like a class pet. We had a class Arthur doll and a class DW doll. Mm -hmm. And it was our responsibility to, you know, everyone got a turn to take home the doll. And then we were told we had to do kind of like a book report where we wrote down all the activities we did with the Arthur or DW and then present them to the class. Did you do that in your class? Well, actually, um, I wrote a book called Teaching with Favorite Mark Brown Books that Scholastic published. So, uh, yeah, I did, I did develop a lot of... Um, you know, activities and lessons that related. The DW books were great to read to kindergartners because they oh, yeah? certainly identified with her and when she teaching, you know, learning how to ride a bike and all those things that kindergartners do, going to the beach, she was afraid to go in the water and, you know. I just wanted to keep asking Bonnie questions about DW to understand more about her character. Then she told me, probably know more about DW than I do. You lived it. Which was confusing. 
Here I thought speaking with Bonnie would almost be like speaking with the real-life DW. I did get a confident vibe from speaking with her, a quality I definitely see in the DW character. But when she said I lived it, I realized that even though DW is inspired by her life, Bonnie sees someone like me, who played the voice of DW, as having more ownership over the role than her. I realized that I'd been projecting ownership of DW the character onto her, and I see a sort of reluctance to claim DW as part of my identity in that. Maybe that has something to do with the degree of separation I feel from DW, because in playing her, I was only using my voice. Like, maybe if it was an on-screen performance, I would feel more connected to her, or something like that. As our conversation started wrapping up, I asked Bonnie, do you have any uh, a message for maybe someone who listens who either is a DW or knows a DW in real life? Well, I think there's a lot of them out there. I hope there are. I hope so too. I just think um, one thing Mark did was showcase strong female characters from Grandma Thora to, you know, Francine. Yeah. DW, Muffy. Yeah. No, there, there were none that didn't have a little attitude. <clears throat> and I think that's what he saw in his life. Yeah. You know, my grandmother was very strong and independent. My mom was in a very quiet way. She was, you know, very determined and strong woman. And um, then three younger sisters. You just have to have a whole new respect. Returning to Danny, Buster is actually based on his best friend from grade three. And I'm wondering if you ever had the chance to meet or know of uh, Mr. Terry Johnson, who is actually coincidentally does live in Australia. Wow, that's amazing. No, I, that's the first time I'm hearing of this person. Terry Johnson. Yeah, I didn't know that at all. We never had that conversation. Yeah, he lives in Australia where he and his wife have a restaurant and a bed and breakfast. Wow. If I ever revisit Australia, I'd, I'd love to look him up and just say, hey, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I'm based on the eight-year-old version of you, but also as a rabbit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's so funny. Uh, I, you know, I, I think that says a lot about Mark, too. Like, he never, he made things as simple as possible. And I don't think he ventured, like, so far from his life. And that's what makes, that's what makes the stories and I think the the, the cartoon, too, very... The reason why it's still popular is I think it's it's all sincerity. It's all it's all real, you know. Yeah. In a way, it's it's based in a fabricated town, and you know, obviously all the all the characters are animals and stuff. But it's it's all it's all based on real stuff, real relationships, real dilemmas that kids have with each other and with their teachers, and so you know, I think that's what's kept it pretty pretty uh, present in everyone's life. It seems like Arthur is 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 ending, or that the future of the series is you know maybe they'll be moving to a digital platform, and I'm wondering, you know, I, and and I set out to you know talk to and and interview all the other DWs, and uh, and I've done that, and now I'm sort of at the tail end of that project, and I'm wondering how you feel if you have any advice for me in terms of how I can really let go of, of what I'm doing, give back to the show and uh, Arthur and really just move on uh, in, a, in a healthy way. <laughs> I, I don't know why you would want to move on. It's, it's a beautiful place to be. Um, 
<laughs> and there's still so many people to interview. Um, I, I think personally, you know, this project of yours uh, shouldn't end anytime soon uh, because it's right at the right at the tail end of the ending, which I think is going to garner a lot of attention. And so now, probably more than even ten years ago, um, Arthur's going to be it's going to be more in the public eye. I think than it was before because people are realizing that it's it's ending and it is an end of a generation you know it's an end of an era um and it's as relevant as the show is as relevant as it ever was uh even with all its you know different um incarnations and stuff so i i don't think it's a project that you should you know um search to give up on i think it's something it's it's a very brave and courageous and, and valued project i think especially now at the end of it where everyone's going to be wanting to talk about it so you know why not just continue with the interviews and continue with the with the uh you know connection to it why not continue continue doing it i think it's uh i think it's a, a beautiful thing that you're doing oh thank you i i think that uh you know i didn't set out to to do this but the more i work on it the more i feel like i, I really just want to give something back to the show Arthur because it's it's really it's given me so much and I just want to show my respect yeah and it's also you know a love letter to you know uh, the how how I don't know just the simple message that Arthur always had right just get along and appreciate others for their differences which some I think at this day and age it's something we all still need to hear those were my conversations with Danny Broshu the voice of Buster Baxter and Bonnie Walmsley one of Mark Brown's three sisters, who inspired him to create DW. Speaking to Danny was a reminder of how special it was that we got to participate in this television show that touched so many people's lives. It was amazing to hear his story and to talk to him about the person he's grown up to be while playing a character inspired by Mark Brown's childhood best friend. Plus, Danny reminded me of how this podcast might be seen as a way of paying my respect to Arthur and to Mark Brown, who have given me so much. So thank you for talking to me, Danny. When I found out DW was based on Mark Brown's sisters, I didn't know what to expect, but it was amazing to be able to talk to Bonnie. It was fascinating to hear more about how Mark Brown grew up how he has always been inexorable with his creativity, and how much the public library meant to their family. Probably the most DW thing about her was how little it seemed to faze her that DW, this sometimes annoying, sometimes idolized character, is based on her. She's flattered, and like probably so many other teachers over the last 25 years, she used Arthur to help create material to teach in her kindergarten classroom. I hope I can channel some of Bonnie's coolness in my life. Thanks for letting me ask you all those questions about Mark and DW, Bonnie. I spent years talking about the idea to find all the voice actors who played DW. In October 2020, I finally started working on this podcast. And on June 29th, 2021, I decided to release my first episode. Since then, I've interviewed tons of amazing people and have listened to and edited countless hours of my own voice. I can really hear a difference in the way I approach some of the questions surrounding peaking and when I play DW or what achievements or self-worth look like to myself. So here are five lessons I've learned while going through this experience. 
One, the value of an achievement isn't based on how many people recognize it. It's about what the achievement means to you. Two, just because something big happens in your life, it doesn't have to define you. You get to decide who you are to yourself. Three, try to accept that you can't control how people will perceive you. So try not to worry too much about it and just be true to yourself. Four, be humble, but also be confident and proud of the person you are. Some people are genuinely interested in the things you've done in your life, and it's okay to not shy away from talking about yourself once in a while. Five, believe in yourself. That's the place to start. I made a point to ask each person who played DW about whether or not playing the part changed them, but over time, I stopped asking the question. Because of course it did. Everything changes you. But it's up to all of us as individuals to decide what happens next, and weirdly enough, I think I needed to make this podcast in order to learn that for myself. So, that's the end of this podcast, or of season one. I haven't decided. I've finished what I set out to do, but the truth is, I've learned that there's a much bigger story to tell here. I've spoken to more people than I've let you hear, and I don't think they entirely fit into the context of what Finding DW means. Yet. But for now, I want to thank each person who took the time to speak with me. Without their involvement, this podcast wouldn't have been complete. My name is Michael Callows, and I was the first person to play DW on Arthur. So my name is Oliver Granger, and I was the second person to play DW on Arthur. Hello, my name is Ryan Aaronworth, and I was the third and a half person to play DW on Arthur. Hi, this is Robert Naylor, and I was the fourth actor to play the voice of DW on Arthur. My name is Jake Beal, and I was the fifth person to play DW. I'm Andrew Dayton, and I was the sixth person to play DW on Arthur. My name is Christian Stefano, and I was the seventh person to play DW. Hi, my name is Ethan Bugiotto, and I was the eighth and potentially last person to play DW on Arthur. My name is Jason Schwimmer, and I was the third person to play the voice of DW on Arthur. I played the part from seasons 7 to 10, from 2002 to 2006. When I was the voice of DW, did I peak? No. Will I ever do anything more meaningful or significant? Yes. Thanks for listening. This podcast was made possible in part from contributions through Patreon from listeners like you. Thank you, Blendy, Quinton Reviews, Sam Brodaddy, and Alex.